This is iFanboy Pick of the Week, episode 724, brought to you by iFanboy listeners just like you. iFanboy Pick of the Week, episode 724. I am Josh Flanagan. I'm here with my co-host, Connor Kilpatrick. Hello. Joining us today, just because you like him, Dr. Ryan Haupt. Happy to be here. Wash your hands. (laughs) (laughs) Can we just say that that's an asterisk after all of the things that you say? I mean, I understand if you need to get out. We all do, and they should all listen, but... Let's just have it be a thing that's understood. But also, I was just going uh, to throw it out at the top and then uh-huh. and then save the rest till the end. That was my okay. plan. All right. But also, wash, wash your, your hands. hands. <laughs> 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 We're iFanboy. And every week, possibly up to and including this week, we read a stack of comics. One of us picks the one that they like best, and we call that the pick of the week. What does the future hold? Well, we'll get to that at the end. But uh, spoiler, we don't know. We are going to talk about the book that we call the pick of the week. We're going to talk about other books from the week. We're going to talk about the patron pick, some listener mail if we have time, all that stuff. It is The idea here is that we should have fun, mm-hmm. and you should have fun by extension of our having fun. And if I may, I've had a lot of people, and I'm sure you guys have seen it too, say, you know, thanks, and we appreciate you doing the thing, and, and they're really glad to hear the show right now and be able to sort of – that means the fucking world to me. And I'm sure to you guys, too. And and thank you to everybody who said that. And if we can help at all, I think that that makes us feel so much better. If we can if we can entertain you for an hour. Yeah. That's great. Yep, totally. Because this entertains us for an hour. If you can get a laugh, I mean, there's, what's better? There's nothing better than a laugh. So that's a lot of pressure on me right now that I've said that. This is your spoiler warning. If you're still worried about spoilers at this point. <laughs> I mean, well, good, it's, it's actually, <laughs> that's a good point. So we're going to try to do the show as normal. We're not going to try to be dicks about spoilers. However, we are aware that a good majority of the stores in the U.S. are closed, and therefore people couldn't get their books. We were aware that every store in the U.K. didn't get their books, I think except for one. So we know that the, our U.K. audience, which is our second biggest audience, didn't get their comics. We're aware that a good portion of people listening just didn't get comics this week, and I'm listening for whatever yeah. reason. So we're going to try not to be dicks about it, but at the same time, we have to be able to do the show. So... It could be that you skip the comics section this week and just listen to the rest of the show, and then later on when you finally read your books, you go back. But we're going to try to not be assholes, but also try to do the show, which means stuff's going to get spoiled, probably. I do love that the British said that they're going to keep the books for safekeeping, which I thought was very, very, very British. British. Yeah, yeah. They'll be here when you need them, but not now. <laughs> you, you can't have them now. They're here for safekeeping. So, with that said, Connor, you had the pick of the week. Please carry on. Is that your heater? Uh, it is my water softener, which okay. comes on at this time, apparently. That's fine. I just want to make sure we I, apo- were, we I apologize. <laughs> okay. So, this week I had... <coughs> Whoa. <laughs> I finally hit puberty this <laughs> week. I, got, I finally hit puberty. It was great. This week I had a lot of books. I had 26 books. <laughs> did uh, it again. <laughs> and it was actually really nice to escape for a little while even though it's hard to escape it was nice to escape into the comics and 
there was a lot of fun books this week. There were some books I didn't like, but overall I had a good time. And the pick of the ended up being Batman Curse of the White Knight, book eight from DC's Black Label. This is the final issue of this particular miniseries, the second one from Sean Gordon Murphy, Matt Hollingsworth, and Anwar Design in this White Knight world he's creating. I don't know if they're doing another miniseries. This, the story seems pretty finite at the end of this, but it seemed pretty finite at the end of the last one, too, so who knows. Ryan, have you read this? Yeah, I've been loving this. Yeah, I've really... I've loved both of these miniseries. I love... Love the world he's created. The world he's created, but I also love that he's made this sort of very meta-textual Batman universe which in which everything is being referenced. The first miniseries was very much about Harley Quinn and the Joker, so there's a lot of stuff about the animated series and the different versions of Harley Quinn, the animated version versus the movie version. And here... This is a story about Batman facing off against Azrael. There's been a lot of movie references, the different cars he drives. There's been dialogue lifted directly from other Batman projects. But it's never showy or ham-handed. It's very natural within the story. So I, it's, it's become a sort of layered take on all of Batman, which I really enjoy on top of the terrific Sean Murphy art and the cars he draws, which are second to none. This tale of discovering that Bruce Wayne is not a Wayne... His family stole the land and the name from Azrael's family, and the, the revenge that Azrael takes on Batman as a result. It all comes to head here, where Batman and Dick Grayson have to team up again to put their differences aside to take down Azrael in a non-murdery way. I just thought this was terrific. This was a great culmination. This is a miniseries that I'll probably buy for people come Christmas time who don't read comics normally or used to read comics. Uh, it's just a terrific, what they used to call Elseworlds book. I thought the ending was touching, too. And again, the Elseworlds part is the part where you can accept the fact that they've changed all the history. Right. So I want to make just, this, you know, sometimes people say, but I thought you hate when they change the legacy. This is its own corner. Right. Go nuts. What does yeah. your water heater think about it? <laughs> um, softener. softener. Water, softener. water softener. It's a softener. I have a well. Listen, in a couple of weeks when things have gone to shit, you're like, you know who's got it right? The well guy. <laughs> Old man Flanagan's got the softest water in the whole valley. <laughs> I do live at the bottom of a hill. I have a cool fun fact. Yeah. Sean Gordon Murphy had the sword made. The cool Bruce Wayne Wayne sword rapier yeah. that he uses. He he had one custom made. So he would have a reference for drawing the book and it looks cool as hell. Well it's yeah. Well, that's not surprising. So anyway, I just thought that was yeah, I want a sword. This has been fun, and it's built on... It's a, it's a kind of thing where you can read this on its own, but it's also really built on the last miniseries, if you read that as well. So there's a lot going on here, especially the awkward and strange sort of romance between Batman and Harley Quinn. I think that's my least favorite yeah. aspect of this book. And it kind of plugs into the larger de-villainification of Harley Quinn that yeah. we've been living through. I thought her turn against the Joker worked in the first miniseries. The falling in love with Batman bit is... Okay, fine, whatever. And, and it's only a very, very small part of in this miniseries. In fact, in this issue, it's really only her drawing a heart on the window. It's not really a big major factor. No, that's an overall problem with DC, which we've talked about. They had a great character, and then they lost it. <laughs> like the cure for cancer? Yeah, it's my favorite reference. That's exactly what it's like. <laughs> so, so. I can't do Sean Connor anymore. I can only do Daryl Hammond as Sean Connery. And, uh, that's a thing. That was I like I could do George Bush. I could only do Dana Carvey as George Bush. Oh, man. Can you tell we are not focused? I am super focused on being unfocused. 
Anyway, I agree with you, Ryan. The whole devilification of Harley Quinn is dumb, and the the relationship in the last one was like, yeah, that's all right. But this was is a very it's not really a big factor here because she wasn't really a big factor in the story. But at the end, uh, she offers to break him free from prison because Bruce is turning himself in, and he turns it down, goes to prison, and his jailer that's going to make sure he stays in prison doesn't break out is Jason Todd. <laughs> Which was cool, because he hasn't been in the story at all. It's only really been Dick Grayson and Barbara Gordon. There's been no, really no reference to other Robins or anything else. And I'm a sucker for Bruce and Jason as adults facing off and their shadows being them as Batman and Robin. I am a sucker. Every time. That was a great image. You know, it reminds me of the best part of Phantom Menace, which was the poster. And um, <laughs> I'm not, I'm not, I'm not You're wrong. You're not wrong. You're not even close to wrong. <laughs> that and the design of the Naboo fighter. And Rick um, only jokes. <laughs> the whole planet's one giant city. So that that great image was great, and I like the design that he's using for Jason Todd here. He's got like a military uniform, but it looks sort of like not mounty in the the formal mounty wear, but he looks like he's like a, out in the wilderness. Like he's got like a you know he's coming in coming in from from somewhere. Yeah, I'm trying to read his things. He's got because he's got a badge on too, which is strange. Special forces, maybe. I don't know. He reminded me of Dashiell Badhorse. Oh, yeah, because he's got a shaved head and everything. And yeah. Anyway, this was a terrific ending to this particular story. I'd love to see more. I mean, I know that they were probably caught by surprise by how popular the first one was. That was tends to happen with these things. But if he has more in this world, although I thought it was a ter- it's a great ending, I don't need more. If he has more, I'm willing to take it because it's been, it's been terrific so far. This whole run has been great. The relationship between Dick and Bruce has been fun and complicated, and then you have a nice emotional reconciliation here crying talking about adopting and bruce telling dick he's the better man which just ties in emotionally to the bookslode that josh and i did this week it's been really good he also took the 89 batmobile which has never been my favorite batmobile and made it made it pretty cool it's got a boat mode there's a simple button you just press it says boat it turns <laughs> into a boat it's great that is good user interface he draws the best vehicles in comics it's insane. And yeah. he's he made good use of them here. The Batmobile's been very important to the story. His hyenas need work, but that's okay. I think you have to soften the features of a hyena if you don't want to worry about it being the protector of a baby. <laughs> that's not an animal I would trust. In a week where we had John Romita Jr. trying to draw a grot again, it was fine. I mean, I don't think this is the right time to talk about <laughs> whatever's happening to John Romita Jr. No, you know what? I can't I can't I don't even want to go there. I think it's too it's too disheartening. So anyway, this was terrific. The black label books continue to be quite good. Whatever they're calling them, black. Label. I mean, Vertigo is in Vertigo. fine form. Vertigo has been really strong. <laughs> there was a bunch of them this week, and they were they but were all. We joke good. that it's Vertigo, but like I feel like this book, you know, Batman White Knight, is never a book that would have come out of Vertigo because they never would have done something that was this DC, right? Originally, though, it would have. I mean, yeah. Animal Man. Well, Animal Man wasn't Vertigo. It got moved into Vertigo, I guess. So much in the same way. Early on, if I think back, you know, the first issues, first arc at least of Sandman had all the DC. Justice yeah. League people in it. Um, I guess Swamp, Swamp Thing, Hellblazer always did. Okay, I don't. I don't know at what point because I know those books were sort of shuffled into Vertigo after the fact in some respects. I'm not exactly sure when Vertigo became Vertigo. And also, when Vertigo was around, there was still Elseworlds, so they just would have done this in Elseworlds. It would have been. Yes, that is what that would have been. That's true. So let's move on to the Old Guard, Force Multiplied number four. And Josh and I talked the last couple times about how we loved the first miniseries. Four out of six were the pick of the week. But this one we've had trouble connecting to for whatever reason. I actually really liked this issue a lot. But again, I have this nagging feeling in the back of my mind that I would like it more 
if I could have remembered more about the first miniseries because it's been so long since it came out. Well, well this issue was uh, it was largely separate in the parts that I, I, I'm trying to I'm trying to know how to say her name, even remember what it is. Andromach? Andromache? Well, yeah. Andy of Cynthia. Yeah. You know, this was largely focused on her. I know who she is. And then the other woman who's the villain who came back, who used to be her her lover, and then she drowned a million times. Yeah. I'm going to say like a Wolverine villain, so I'm trying not to do that, make that mistake. Because it was focused on them and going into the past, I was mostly cool with it. Mm-hmm. The other characters did show up, and those are the guys I can't remember as much. I'm like, oh, that's the long nose guy. That's as much as I can remember. And I know that two of the dudes are a couple. And then there's the young one. But, right. I mean, that's like that's the extent of what I remember. So those bits were still like, eh, what's going on there? But I, I could sort of get it. But the main bits you know, were easy enough to follow. I did spend a lot of the time wondering where they were in the timeline. If Andy is the oldest one. Yep. Where did she start? It almost was like she's a... This is her origin here. Which I know, but I was, I'm was. i trying to place those in history, and I had a hard time with that, I'm sure. I've, I'm seen, sure. Her refer- I've, I've seen her referred to as Andromache of Scythia, so she must have been from Scythia, which was like in the Central Asia. She was 3,000 years old? 6,700 oh. years old. Because yeah. I, just, I just got caught up on this, so I read some of the other issues more recently. So yeah, she's 6,700 years old, give or take. They said she was older than the rest of them combined. Yeah. So that puts her, what, 40, 4,500 BC, 40. Mm-hmm. Okay. And like, you know, central, like the central Asia, that would have been part of like the Silk uh-huh. Road, Spice Road, you know, between. She's like, like a like, step. The barbarian horde. When was, uh yeah, like the horse people of the step or something like that. When was Genghis Khan? Later, I think. Yes, you're right. <laughs> but I, there is an image of her with a Genghis Khan looking. Dude. Right. Well, she would have been if, if she comes from that. Asian steppe area, then... The Scythians make... are the people we have to thank for Griffins. They're the ones who came up with Griffin mythology. Oh. I got yeah. a guy who works for me named Griffin. I'll let him know. So, I liked her origin. The villain origin for her girlfriend remains horrifying. I don't like reading yes. about it. It's terrible. It makes me uncomfortable and sad, and it's just awful drowning over and over and over for however many years. I don't want to say it humanizes her. It makes her everything about her justifiable. I'm like, you can be mad. <laughs> I understand. Like... Yep, and I like that. However angry you are, it may not be enough. (laughs) But I also liked the other portion which of the dudes who were, I guess, looking up the people they've saved. Mm -hmm. Yes. Because it was a a whole thing like, you don't just do good. These are the lives that you change and make better kind of thing. Where the young boy they they saved from a concentration camp wins a National Treasure Award, whatever that is. So Mm -hmm. I just don't know where this is going. We're already at issue four, and I assume it's only six. So it feels like... We haven't really moved forward in a story. The bar they're hanging out at while they have that conversation. Mm-hmm. Real bar in San Francisco. One of my favorite bars, Smuggler's Cove. Yes. Oh. It's an I've excellent been been rum bar. Tiki I've bar. been there. In yeah. fact, I believe a photo came up last week or in the last week on Facebook that said, this is your first photo with Ryan. And no, we that was there. at Tongaroo, Josh. Oh. That wasn't man. at Smuggler's Cove. I was at Smuggler's Cove with, ready for this name droppy shit? I was there with Jason Aaron, and we spent a lot of the time talking about his disrespect for Wedge Antilles. And then I said, <laughs> I'm going to get a pickup truck. And he went, you're not going to get a pickup truck. And I said, I am. He goes, you are never going to. And I have that truck. And so I have that truck in spite of Jason Aaron. 
I mean, it is walking distance from Isotope, so it's yeah. not a great shock that many a conversation about comic yes. books have happened yeah, there. Yeah, and James was there, and it was fine. And I remember at like 1 a.m., I was like, I have to go back. I have to work tomorrow. And they were like, stay out with us. And like, I think Ron got back at like 5 a.m. that day. So many rough mornings have been caused by James saying, stay out with us for <laughs> one more. Question, did you pour Scorpion Bowl on Jason Aaron's head after he disrespected Wedge Antilles? <laughs> Not. I shared one with him, and then Ron made me drink a painkiller, and uh, there was there was no pain. <laughs> so, anyway, I, I like this issue a lot. I did. It just, it kept me from loving it, the nagging feeling of I should be feeling more emotional attachment to this, and also I don't really see what the story of this miniseries is if we're already four in. I feel like we should be heading towards the climax in the next issue or so, and I don't know what's happening. My take on that is that, yes, I don't know what's going on because the other thing came out so long ago, and I don't have the time or, honestly, really the inclination to go back. And But I don't know that that's necessarily the creator's fault. This is the economy of how this works and time and blah, blah, blah and all that. So I'm not really going to hold that against them. It's just situational. Two, Rucka's a novelist, and and I feel like he functions best. He's trying his best to fit into this, like, Six issues in a story, and then you know, move, but you know, I also don't know that it's six issues, right? We also n- used to never know when the book ends, and now I always assume a book is only six issues long. And I right. could be wrong, and no one's ever said this is only six issues long, but the last one was six issues long, and everything is six issues long, including other things I didn't know were six issues long. So I just assume everything is six issues long. I guarantee you that he has a treatment, if not physically, then at least in concept in his head, that he would write seven novels about, sure. I guarantee it. You know, and so, this is this is one of the sh- one of the books that got picked up for a Netflix show, right? Yes. Yes, and it's shot already, I believe. That's good because otherwise production would be shut down. But it's well, the first miniseries was terrific. So if that's what they're going off of, I'm excited for it. I'm yeah. excited for Rucka. Mm-hmm. So I assume the Amazing Spider-Man 42 by Spencer and Otley and company uh, hit you guys a lot harder than it hit me. As dog owners. Yeah. Oh yeah. Because yeah. I liked it, and I thought it was great, but I was reading it going, yeah, Josh Josh probably really loves this. No, this was gut-wrenching, I thought. It is. I did like, though, that in a lot of instances, the story would be that like the hero would be unaware of it entirely, and they front-loaded it in order to make Peter less awful, I guess, by saying, I just get the sense he's not really a bad guy, he's just here, he's, you know... And and I thought I thought it was a nice little touch. But also, I think the a thing you have to do with Peter Parker, mm-hmm. in a way. And I also like I, I like that like yeah, it's a Spider Man book. We're not really so much doing that now for this issue. It was just like go do a thing. Ryan Otley gets to draw cute little blue alien kids with Reed Richards hair and, or whatever helmet you know. Yeah. And this like the idea that this little disgusting goblin thing is is a cute you know lovable dog on the other planet. Honestly, if you look at it, you don't read the words. You know, I'm like oh. It's invincible. Awesome. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Exactly. And also, you could tell that the, the monster isn't a monster just by the faces it makes. Yeah. Is yep. this originally a Kirby-designed thing? Yeah. I okay. think Gog is pre-Fantastic Four. I, I can see the cover. I'm not sure when it, where it comes from. Because it but definitely like, looks Kirby. He did monster comics in the 50s and, and you know early 60s. Ah, created by Roy I, Thomas and Gil Kane. Well, shit. In The Amazing Spider-Man. He did a – that Gog, though, looks like the one that Kirby had done. I'm almost positive. Like I can, oh, I'd be, yeah, no, no doubt. I can see it in my head. I'll tell you when it got me was the face Gog was making on page 17 of Digital Reader when he's running towards the kid in the battlefield because mm-hmm. he's so happy to see his buddy again. And I just knew I'm going to turn this page 
and this kid's going to be turned into paste. Yeah, it was pretty obvious. My wife found a dog wandering around our neighborhood when she was out walking our dog, and he was very sweet and very friendly. And uh, so she, he, he like walked with her back to our yard, and we kind of have a fenced-in yard, so we left him in the fenced-in yard. And I called a humane society and said, hey, I found a dog. And I didn't, you know, I wasn't going to take him to the pound right away, but I wanted to put in the report. And then I saw the look in my wife's eye, and I was like, oh, i got to find this dog owner, because otherwise we're getting another dog. And so <laughs> <laughs> and, uh, I managed to find the owner just by walking around the neighborhood long enough for somebody to come out who was, looked like they were looking for a dog. <laughs> and oh, that's the dog, great. The dog was really happy to see his buddy, and it made me feel really good. Nice. That's great. And you don't have two dogs right now. I don't have two dogs right now. He was very sweet, but we don't need another dog right now. No, no one needs any more anything right now. <laughs> so, I hope that the way that this was done in the print version had that explosion on the on a page turn. I'm sure. I'm sure it must yeah. have. Well, <laughs> you never know. That's true. It's just it. It got me, and I'm not even a pet person, so I can only imagine. You've now spent enough time around the pet person that you can sort of empathize with their feelings, anyway. Sure, and also. You're right. This whole section was very much invincible. The alien faces were very much out of invincible. Worked for me. Yeah, it was good. Legion of Superheroes, number five, made me very angry. Oh, yeah? Made very, very angry. I would like you to continue. Yeah, I did not get that feeling myself. Might have screamed fuck off to the book when I got to the end of it. So. Wait, 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 wait. Ryan, do you have any idea what he's talking about? I legitimately do not know. Neither do I. (laughs) Because I might. I have a different review of this book, and I and I will and I will just, just before you know, we don't even need to dwell on it. But my review of this book is I like it a lot, but I'm barely holding on by a thread because it's just too fucking much, too legiony. Getting there. The beginning of the book wasn't just legiony, and now it's very legiony. Which I can't fault it for. Go on. Jonathan Kent is finally going through his training. I know what it is, and <laughs> we see flashbacks to the how the Legion started. The president of the interplanets is showing the Imperial Senate the uh, imagery from the old days of superheroes. We see Morrison's Justice League, and we see Wolfman and Perez's Teen Titans. And she wants to create a team like that for them, and that's how the Teen Titans sort of come about. And we see all that. I'm going to say a phrase to you, and uh-huh. you just tell me yeah. if I'm on the right track. Yeah. I believe the phrase is, one true Superman. Yes. Oh, yes. yeah. So, great art from the be- in the beginning by Ryan Souk, and then we skipped to Scott Godlewski, who's also very good. We knew Ryan Souk would never actually make it on this book full-time. And we see the, the original four Legionnaires, the original three plus Brainiac, coming in to, coming together to join the team. And Brainiac is discussing how the inflection point for the entire multiverse and the history of, of everything happens in the past, in this age of heroes. And if that age is not maintained, then everything falls apart. And he says, so in order to do that, for some reason, they need to bring Jonathan Kent forward in time, the, the person who gave the idea for the you know, United Planets. He needs to come into the future with them and keep everything safe. And they see a picture of him with Damien as young kids. And he says, we need to prepare him for his coming role as the one true Superman. And that's when I said, fuck off and fuck you. <laughs> I can't, I can't argue with that, and I, I love it. I love you for it. I mean, this won't live, so it doesn't matter. Yeah, it's I guess. Gonna happen. Like there was, Well, no. Yeah. The thing is, we know what they're doing, or they said they're going to be doing. Supposedly, oh, yeah. unless we all die, is is replace all the classic heroes <laughs> with their kids for a bit, and then it'll, maybe yeah. who knows anymore that we <laughs> maybe that's where they stop. <laughs> and so, if they're positioning Jonathan as no, there's one true Superman, and that's Clark fucking Kent. They can have Jonathan Kent be a great Superman character 
and tell fun adventures. But the one true Superman, the one known throughout the galaxy and all these fucking books that all the other planets know and respect, the one who is the greatest hero of all time is Clark Kent. It's not John. Well, maybe Kent. it's like also, maybe it's like like uh, like Clark Kent is like Philip of Macedonia, and then John Kent is Alexander. Sorry, we were talking fuck about off. the other book. Fuck right. off. All right. Wait, wait I, said, said that Brainiac was the fourth, but they technically invited Sergeant Block first, who refused to come sit down, and I thought that was very funny. It was funny. I will say, I think we all understand your point. Don't disagree. We can we could harp on. We, okay, not harp on it. We could go further and expound on it if you would like to. Or do you mm-hmm. think you've gotten your? No, I, I'm just it's. Fuck, fuck off and fuck you. That's my reaction. Yeah, no, and it's totally. not even against the creators or anything. It's just the concept. Like, yeah, uh, no, you. Uh, that's what I'm worried about with this. What DC is trying to do is, you. No. Mm-mm-mm-mm. Okay, I'm going to talk about two things I liked a lot. Oh, the book was fine, other than that page. Yeah, two things I liked a lot were when they were talking about the the past. The, the art they used was specifically from those books. I thought it was wonderful. Yeah, there was the Howard Porter cover. There was the George Perez Teen Titan stuff. And even when you do that flashback to the shot of John and Damien, that's the art from that book, I believe. Yeah, that's uh, Jorge. And that was really cool. Yeah. I also really dug, I dug the Brainiac in this one. I've never really understood what this Brainiac was, and I think that they explained it really well, and I really liked how they wrote all the stuff around. It's like when you watch a sci-fi movie or something that does, like, time travel or, or you know, relativity mm-hmm. really well or something like that. I thought that this did that sort of all-knowing omniscient being but also being a not human but a you know like a person but it was it was cool that he basically said i'm so smart that i know we're going to be friends so i'm just going to go ahead and start acting like your friend right now (laughs) and i thought that was a really you know because usually the the smart guy is written as like cool and disaffected or emotionless like a spock type but this is like no no no, we're we're gonna be great friends because i've already I, i can predict that because i'm so smart 100 i love that he's the best character on the supergirl show He's a terrific character. I would like to go back and say the Sergeant Block scene was great. <laughs> come, come sit. Where are you from? Try it. Want to join? Or come, yes, come I, sit. No. Come sit at the table. No. And he's brushing his teeth. And he leaves. <laughs> you got you to gotta brush your teeth post-battle. That's yeah. something a lot of people don't know about uh, superheroes is after a, after a battle, brush your teeth. Well, those guys specifically is after a battle, the dry engines or whatever they are, they eat four donuts every time. And so... <laughs> It's their, their tribute. You know, it's their but they, power. they also care. Hold on, I gotta write this down. They also, <laughs> they also like like the prime attractor in their society is brilliant, bright teeth. So Dryadians. you can see where the conflict is. So anyway, you know this was fine. Yeah, it's a little bit too legiony, but it's I'm still holding on by my fingernails. But I just don't. The more seeds are being dropped about what DC is about to do, the less I'm happy. Not good. Not All good. Right. Not good. Not good. Let's move along to this point of the show where I let people know about patreon.com slash ifanboy. We have straight. Let me let me let me change up a little bit. Okay. You may have I assume we keep talking about it. The news being that comics right now is in a state of flux. We as an industry are going through a thing we never have. Diamonds not shipping new stuff. Stores, you know, we're not letting anybody in, so they're doing curbside. Freelancers don't really know what their future is gonna be. And it's a really weird time. And when I was looking at that, part of me went, ugh. And then part of, you know, like, that's really sad for them. And then I thought, oh, wait, comics is my part-time job. Yeah. And it's true. And, and I, you know, not to put too fine a point on it, but this is part of our income. I mean, like, this yeah. feeds the family, you know, in a way. This pays bills. And so when we talk about patreon.com slash ifanboy, and then we talk about, like, we're part of the comics industry in that way. And therefore, 
the people who are patrons now, the people who are continuing. And also, if you cannot continue right now for whatever reason, don't feel guilt for a second if you can't keep doing it. It's fine. But the people who are, I want to be extremely clear, like you are helping us by, you know, in our lives. And we do this show in, you know, in return for that. And also we happen to enjoy doing it. So that's a thank you and and just a perspective, I think, uh, because we don't tend to refer to it that way. But that really is what's happening. And so... That being said, if you are contributing or you can contribute, here's the deal. Patreon, you go there. If you want to uh, help support the show, the things that you're listening to, the stuff that we do, we really appreciate that. We do have stretch goals. We had met our previous stretch goal, but that's going to be a temporary thing. It's not going to continue that way. But if we do meet that again on an ongoing basis, we will reintroduce the Media Splode show uh, as a regular thing. And we will continue putting as many as we can at a speed we're we're okay with of our old uh, shows up on YouTube, our old video shows. We might do... We might do another media explode show. Yeah, I think is, we're gonna do one just because again everyone's stuck inside yeah. and we need something yep. to do and listen to. So we may just do another bonus media explode. We really did like it doing it. So yeah, that was super fun. And then you know we do the hangouts for patrons uh, once a month, and we do you know the talk explodes and the book explodes, and that all comes from that. Uh, we opened up the hangout last time to everybody, and that was super fun. Thank you everybody who came. We also just added a Discord server channel yes. chat thing for the patrons, which has been very active. Very active. It, it, it's a lot like the old revision three days if you were around then. Yeah. It's a lot like that, but more sort of immediate, I guess. Yeah, it's it's like a live chat for if, yeah. you don't, if you're not aware of a Discord. It's a, it, was started as a, it started as a video game thing. Yeah. It's how I encountered it. So there's a lot of things, a lot of rewards for being a patron. We try to make it as worth your while as possible, not just to have the show and to help the show, but to, to give you things in return. And it really, it's, it's kind of jump started the community that we had. And we're really proud of, you know, that kind of all moved on to social media. And I feel like we're gathering it together again. Right. Which is great. It's really good to say. I can't keep up with it to save my life, but still. So that's what it's at. Patreon.com slash iFanboy. You've heard us talk about it. You know what that is. You could also, you know, never has there been a better time to go to iFanboy.threadless.com and get yourself a GDAT shirt. That's right. With the recognizable silhouette of, of our own patron saint. But he's the GDAT. He's the goddamn American treasure. And uh, he needs your support right now, uh, spiritually. Uh, and we need your support right now getting a shirt. Yeah. Probably Threadless does too. There are seven designs up there right now. We will keep telling, you know, this is the, <laughs> baby, we're going to have a new design soon, I promise. I think the state of the world may have slowed the process of that time, but we'll, it's going to happen. That's true. Yeah. Finally, if you do want to contribute, you don't want to deal with any of that rigmarole, any of that crap over there, you can just go to ifanboy.com slash support. You will find a direct donation link via PayPal if that is a thing that you want to do. We really appreciate it if you do. And if you don't, we get that too. We're going to keep doing this show. It's in some way. <laughs> And finally, you can go to ifanbo.com slash Amazon. You will find uh, links to buy all the books on Booksplode. There's a general link. If you are either panic buying because you're at home and that's what makes you feel better, which, by the way, is what I used to do, and I haven't bought a shit for two weeks. <laughs> that's not true. I bought a bidet. So, um. <laughs> Wait a minute. Well. You can't just shoot past that. Well, because the toilet paper thing. Oh, I see. Julie and I discussed it. We discussed a bidet, but we realized that neither of us had ever used one uh, <laughs> and didn't feel like the time to start. Well, it's a, there's a double thing. One, I got to install it and put it in, so that's a project. Right. So I get a, I get a project. I got to drill a hole for the hot water line. I got to connect all this stuff up. Oh, uh, you want one of the hot water bidets? Yeah. Are you kidding me? I have well water. <laughs> <laughs> but I hear, it, I hear it's very soft. Yeah, it is. Well, it is now. <laughs> Anyway, uh, I, can, use that I, can liter- I can literally hear that it's very soft. <laughs> <laughs> 
you know what, we're going to process this so that people at home won't actually hear it. So, you know. You know, this is an extra special glimpse into Josh's psyche at the moment. Which is <laughs> oh, yeah. which has been yeah. great for everyone. Manic, panicked. Oh, can't fo- I'm all over the place. <laughs> all over I'm the like, place. I'm I can make laugh. This is how everyone feels in their heads. Anyway, thanks if you support the show and the various means you do. You've heard them all before. We do thank everyone. As Josh said, this is a part-time job for us. It's part-time income. And you appreciate it. As income becomes precarious, we do thank you. Yep. Very much. Basketful of Heads. Joe Hill presents Hill House Comics, a.k.a. Vertigo, Black Label. There's like four names for what this is. Joe Hill, Leo Max. I really like the Dollhouse family, but this is my favorite one. I think just because of the retro 80s vibe. Even though I do notice, and it was this in this issue particularly, that Leo Max's face can be really inconsistent. Yeah. But I don't really care. No, I really, yeah, I, I see what you're saying. I really, like, I think he's a really fun artist. Yeah, it's that's like, what I mean. There's a, I don't want to say early 2000s Vertigo kind it, of. It super has an early 2000s Vertigo vibe. Yep. And I love that. This book's so fun. Yeah. I love this book. I loved at the point where the third head went in. I was like, that's an actual basket full of heads. <laughs> <laughs> and they made us wait for it. <laughs> Again, I thought this could be the final issue because it was issue six, but nope, we're huh? still going. The story is ridiculous, and everybody is arch, you know. And and honestly, that last page mm-hmm. uh, when she falls in the water—that's a great page. That's great coloring. It's a great page. It's a great page. And like you know, it, it sort of rides the line between this like that '80s, '70s horror. Like it's right on the edge of being sexy, but not too weird. Like it's just like she's jumping around in her shorts, and like oh, this is like watching an '80s horror movie. Yeah. But they're trying to gross me out. But also turn me on a little. You grew up with a weird, violent sex thing, which would be great for everyone. That's not... I like that even though she's using this mystical Celtic axe, we'd have no explanation for why the heads she cuts off are still sentient, and I'm totally fine with that. Yes, I think that's exactly correct. I don't want an explanation. I don't want an issue where they explain how these people are still alive with heads cut off. I know there's some Celtic mystery with the axe, and that's all I need to know. I will say, like, is while everything else is stuck to that formula, this is the short book section, oh well, while everything <laughs> else is stuck to that horror movies thing, she is not the damsel in the distress. No, she's badass. She's super fucking badass, and in a way that is completely, like, like believable. She, you know, she's not freaking out. This sucks. You know, she's going to save her boyfriend the way that, you know, the old ones would have had her go save her girlfriend, you know, but yeah. it was it was good. It's it really fun. I, I like that she's displaying her competence in various ways, but still does some things that are dumb. So, sure. like, when she's trying to climb the ladder to the boat, she forgets to tie her little dinghy to the boat and it floats away right yeah. away. <laughs> yeah, there was a lot of nice little touches. I, I, I wasn't reading this. I thought I would totally do that. <laughs> I would totally do that. <laughs> And you can, I can see it, and I can hear it floating slowly away, and you have nothing you can do. No recourse. None. You could save it, but you'd lose your axe and your shotgun, and you'd alert the bad guys, so... And I asked Julie what the name of the boat meant, and she took one look at it, and she's like, I don't know, it's Icelandic. So she recognized that it was Icelandic, but does, doesn't speak Icelandic, so it was no help to me whatsoever. So Josh, you were gone the last time Ryan was on the show, and we talked about John Constantine, Hellblazer, that was the pick of the week, actually. But I'm sure you've listened to the show. Of course. Josh, of course so you can. know what we said. That's the ticket, yeah. We talked about the first part of this arc, which is this is part two with John and his new millennial sidekick. I'm curious what you think of this arc. I'm curious what you think of overall the old Constantine being the villain of this book, which is an interesting choice 
and it's very continuity specific. So I'm curious what you think overall of what's going on in Constantine. Right so now. I haven't listened to another show because I literally just read four and five last night, basically, when I was reading these books, because that was the week that I hadn't caught up on for whatever reason. I did read it the whole time thinking, I wonder why this was pick of the week. Like, I couldn't figure out what, I, not that it was bad. I was just trying to figure out what the line of reasoning was. Is there a basic premise that you thought was your favorite part about it? It was just very funny. We met Ryan, okay, and I thought it was very funny, yes. and we loved the art. Great. I agree with both of those things very much. It's an interesting book uh, in that, like, that's John, and it's John out of place in the world, and he's so often not, he, like, that's his thing. He's always comfortable. He's always comfortable with where he is. He's not worried about things. And when he gets worried, like, that's a big deal. This issue sort of undercut that in the way that, like, he had suspected everything was bullshit, and it, it was. But also it did make him sort of examine everything a little more. Well, I really love the scene where he's at the uh, cafe or whatever with the guy. Yeah. And he's like, who's Wally? that prick out there without the socks? And, the sh-? and he's like, that's my right. boyfriend. And he goes, of course it is. And who's that Kojak-looking bird feeding the cats? Oh, that's my girlfriend. And he's like, but. And it's just sort of, <laughs> he's just sort of too old for this. But also he understands and accepts it. He's bisexual himself, so it's fine. But it's more of the they're all dating each other at the yeah. same time. That's confusing him as opposed to the, the gender thing. But it was just all very, he's just off a little bit. This yeah, whole thing has like, put him off a little bit. Yeah, but it's consistent. Like, it's consistent with it. If you were John Constantine who went, I like the whole bit where, you know, he went away. There was nobody else. So that was this guy. And, like, he's a knob, but he's, you know, he's, he's a good guy. Yeah, he's a good guy. Yeah. And he's not even completely incompetent. He's just he's a guy who's doing the best he can. He just has a man bun. So you can't respect him fully. Honestly, it's a really good sort of, I guess, lesson in in sort of the acceptance. Just because somebody, you know, like it's really easy for us. Sorry, Ryan, us Gen Xers. You too. Yeah, don't to don't look, don't put me in this. I know, I know, I'm I'm aware. You know, to just be like Ugh, these kids, but that's what everybody does, and I think that that works with with John. And John's a boomer, by the way. Yeah. The image of old John with that crow skull mask, or whatever, and the hammer and the giant nails. I was like, oh fuck, like that was. I don't love that part. Right, so that's the part I'm really curious to, to see what, you know, we, we've known almost the whole time, but it's getting, it's ramping up that old continuity John, John from issue 300 is the bad guy. It's a valid story because you could see at any point along the run, Constantine going, fuck this, and losing it and going crazy, and like I, that's believable. I don't want to see it, but I buy it. Mm-hmm. The other thing that's happening is this echoes over in, I think the story's actually crossed over, but in the Books of Magic book, the Tim Hunter character is battling an older evil version of himself, too. Right, interesting. So we're having this happen in two places in this part of the, the Vertigo Magic universe. You think that's, that's what's going to happen to us one of these days? <laughs> I mean, we're, be... all, we're always doing it. It's, it's going to be an older, older evil eye fanboy that shows up. <laughs> it's, yeah, they're in the mirror. We look in the mirror. There they are. <laughs> How, how angry I am at younger Josh just flouted his credit card around like an idiot. Yeah. Fuck that guy. <laughs> yeah, it's already there. They've already shown up. Yeah. Once in future, number seven. Are either of you reading this? I am, nope. but not for much longer, probably. <laughs> okay. <laughs> um, yeah, so this is uh, Kieran Gillen and Dan Mora's with colors by Tamara Bonvillain and letters by Ed Dukeshire. Very, ooh, very Do you think pretty. she ever wanted to just add a D in there? Bond villain. You got to know that that's that's come across, come you know, come up. It is a joke sure. she really does not want to hear anymore. So this is the book where I think this is my favorite Kieran Gillen book in a while. It's I always Arthur. say that at the beginning of Kieran Gillen books. <laughs> that's the thing. Like I loved the first three issues of this, and then I loved the first three issues of everything he's ever done, and, <laughs> and then, then the seventh issue I stopped. It gets too deep in the weird mythology that's clearly in his head, but it's not on the page. 
in at least in a clear and understandable way. And by this point, I'm just like, I have no idea what's going on anymore. I'm barely hanging on myself. Uh, <laughs> See? But that's okay. That's okay. I just, I love the uh, the premise of, well, and again, we always love the premise, right? Of taking the King Arthur mythos of the savior of Britain and realizing that if you took a person with the morality from the Bronze Age, they would be a bastard. Oh, no, it's a great idea. And also the idea that all the uh, nationalists in England are wrong because they're also invaders. You know, in, mm-hmm. the, in, that, in, the last, in the last arc when he, you know, they killed the Anglo-Saxons. Also, in this issue, they go to the British Museum and they, he has a little scene with that Bronze Age mask, which I saw last year when I was at the British Museum. So I was like, oh, I saw that. I've been there. Oh, that's a real thing. That's cool. Yeah, it's a real thing. And I thought, you know, the, the grandma helping out with some old school invisible silver line magic was cool. And then at the end, I know we said we weren't going to do spoilers, but I think it's important. They resurrect Beowulf, the OG English hero, the literally the first thing written down in the English language, Beowulf. I love the idea of it. And I love the art. I love you know we're big Dan Moore fans. It's just uh, man, the first two issues are really fun and good, and then it just it's just gotten it's gotten wonky. Julie got me into this podcast called The History of English, and it necessarily helped me with the mythology, but the idea of just thinking about like reading the passages written in Old English in this, I don't understand what they are, but like I at least kind of have the idea of the cadence and how it sounds in my head from listening to this podcast. Good podcast for anybody who's interested in the history of English. So I don't know. There's just enough here that i'm still digging that i i want to hang on for as long as i can before you know gillen gillen's me out the door <laughs> so let's talk quickly about batman superman number eight part two of this two-part story featuring art by nick darrington from batman universe and featuring a story where uh, general zod is uses a lazarus pit to resurrect the denizens of candor and it featured a terrific cliffhanger from the last issue where all the Kandorians, the tiny angry Kandorians emerged from the Lazarus Pit. And so here you have them dealing with all that. I thought this was a fun two-parter, especially after the, you know, the horrible Batman who laughs opening and the Nick Darrington art didn't hurt. I actually missed the last issue. And so mm-hmm. I started reading this because I had stopped with the yeah, I get you. man. I try. I tried. It, you know, and the creative team were doing the best they could with that. But I just can't take that shit so i got back in on this one and i was like oh, i missed the last part didn't matter though like yeah. i just i picked it up i knew who the players were and i was like oh nick darrington so this is great you know williamson like this is what batman superman should be yeah full stop like this is what this book needs to be it is great it is fun you know it's it's not necessarily the main story of everything it's off to the side but still part of it like i like the um dynamics between these characters you know they're all the villains are both gray villains yeah. you know like Zod is not the arch villain he used to be. Ra's al Ghul is never really fully evil, you know, in that, in sort of the Joker sense or whatever. He has reasons for his mass murder. And maybe yeah. that makes sense to you. Well, he's he's an environmentalist. I, but I think it changes, like, like the... I feel like I've read a ton of them, but, you know, like, the stuff that I've read sort of puts him more in an Illuminati kind of space than necessarily just, like, a thief. There was a terrific sequence, and I put the first part of it up on our Instagram page, in which Roz is doing this big speech about taking out Superman, and then Batman hits him in the back of the head with a batarang. <laughs> this is thunk, and it's, and it's six in his helmet. But first of all, that's a great two-panel storytelling bit. But then a page later, he's just in the background, and he pulls it out of his head, and his little puck sound effect. It was just a yeah. great. That was just a great bit of storytelling. Terrific. Nick Darrington is something else. Yes. Nick, Nick Darrington also has his his patron power is he can draw a panel sequence where something happens 
in the first and second panels that I missed that reveals itself in the third panel. And when I look back, it's all there in a way that's really cool. Like it's super dynamic storytelling and everything comes together and makes sense. And I never have any issues with what's happening. And the action is just so well choreographed. Really huge fan. The only thing, this is nothing to the book. Is I think every time I see Candor, it's different. I thought they were all dead. I thought it was all destroyed. Here, half of them are dead. I agree, and I, I almost, I just accept that as. Yeah, a yeah, it's fine. And I don't. Do they have special air? Because at one point, Roz breaks the glass and like, oh god, what have you done? We've got to save them. And the air, like their, their air is coming out. I don't understand what you know. That's but mm-hmm. whatever. It doesn't matter. Well, it's it doesn't. I mean, he broke it with the kryptonite sword. I don't know. It doesn't really matter. And it's fun. Now, Superman has all the little tiny people in little tiny <laughs> resuscitation <laughs> tubes. Because, of course, he has those in the Fortress of Solitude. This is, like, super sci-fi and super Silver age and uh, terrific. And also, Jakul, the planet that Zod lives on, is very Star Wars. Yes. Jakul. Yeah. The, yeah. I, well, it's the one that Ray comes from? Jakku. 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 Same thing. Yeah. Jakul. Everybody There's a lot of nerds off. like, why do you not know that? Like, there's a lot of stuff in here, dude. In here, you mean your own brain, right? Yeah, we've, we've, we heard it during the ad read. Clattering yeah. around. Connor, you didn't pull it up either. Don't no, act no. like I'm the only one. So the uh, patrons over at patreon.com slash ifanboy, every week can vote to add a book to the rundown. It's called The Patron Pick. And this week, they decided, hey, we may not have the chance ever again. So they voted in My Little Pony, Friendship is Magic, <laughs> number 88, from IDW. <laughs> Ted Anderson, Tony Flex, Heather Breckel, and Neil Utke. That's not right, but I'm sorry. Yataki. I know some people who work on, or used to work on the cartoon and the movies, are very big in the brony community. I hate that I live in a world where a thing called a brony community exists and is real. They have fun and they have a good, solid, very helpful community. So I won't denigrate the bronies at all. However, this was really bad. Then again... Also not meant in any way, shape, or form for me. And I recognized that as I was reading it. So I, could, I can remove myself and say, this is very much a kid's book. And not like, yeah. it's not even like a YA book or an all-ages book. It's very much a kid's book. But I mean, before Josh jumps in, I, I don't think this was a good kid's book. That could be. I, I, I'd be. I'll be curious to see what Josh says. All I'm just... saying is I recognize it's not for me. So maybe there's something here that I wouldn't understand. But how I many the art was fine. The art was, did its job. It, you know, I, 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 I recognize all the different... don't have kids should go on talking about whether it's good for kids or not <laughs> i'm not say, i didn't say it was good for kids that was Ryan's I thing. i just I said the art was good i recognized all the different ponies even though i don't know them they're you know these they all have person <laughs> you know isn't the one with the with the rainbow hair the main one anyway the art was fine <laughs> i did not enjoy reading it for one moment. i didn't enjoy reading this i was mad at the patrons the whole time Josh, still mad at them frankly you have kids yeah, so I remember a ways back. Rainbow the Dash. Last, that's the, the last time these people did this to us. Wasn't um, there was the second shortcake. time? Yeah, Strawberry Shortcake, that was it. Strawberry yeah. Shortcake, in which I really savagely flogged that, that book. Yeah. And I was like, all right, let's get ready. Let's do this again. I thought it was pretty good. <laughs> I, I like, You know, like, in terms of, like, something that I think my kids would be interested in reading and, and sort of going through it in the, in the way that, like, I've never read one of these before. I knew exactly where we were. Yeah. Uh, I got a pretty, you know, it's pretty easy to tell, tell the characters apart, but in a way that is clear, you know, it's got its own little gaggy, <laughs> I mean that in two ways, language, you know, any pony, these kinds of things. Like, I don't get it, but I thought that it didn't just feel like it was just for whatever the ideal of little girls is. You know, it was just like kids could read this. I think my kids would dig it. I thought the art was pretty strong. 
strong. I, you know, it's like the kind of a you know cartoon. He's doing the thing. It's it's not a hundred percent sort of on model for the you know. It's got enough of its own flavor to it. I know. I don't know Tony Fleeces, but I'm familiar with his name and I've seen the art before. So like he, you know, it's a real comic book artist. There is, I'm literally going to dock points. There's a bad left-hand panel stacking incident near the end, right at the emotional climax of the race that I, I went to the wrong place and I was like, I can't believe this is happening. But overall it was, it was fine. Like it was, it was, this was a heist happening in the middle of a race that seemed unnecessarily dangerous. This race. I liked that. They're racing like, it's almost like Ben-Hur. All these ponies are pulling carts full of barrels. And the surface they're racing on, which is elevated, is not wide enough for more than one cart. And they're going along like they don't have a care in the world. And I was like, yeah, that's what life should feel like. (laughs) It could be that I I had watched Rush, the Mm -hmm. terrific Chris Hemsworth, Daniel Bruhl, Ron Howard racing movie. And I was like, this seems dangerous. But I don't know how magical the pony world is. Maybe they can fly. The art was good. I didn't care about the story, but that's no. But you should like you shouldn't have like I you know like I wasn't like into it. I could tell it was I competently thought, told. Yes, I followed the action. I understood the characters. I understood uh, the the not the mystery, but the the heist aspect of it. I thought the lesson was good. Well, yeah, each 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 one has a lesson. Right, I know, but like that's a valuable one. Don't mm-hmm. worry so much about winning. That we have another book that we've read a billion times. It basically has the same message. It's about like a, a racer who wants to be number one, and then. He helps some ducks cross the road and like he learns like that's not the most important thing. And that's what this was. I like that message, you know, as a thing. I like that it's more important to be friends or whatever. Like, you know, that's what friendship is magic. It's what it's called. It's interesting that the second to last dialogue balloon in the book we're going to talk about in the show is it's the end of an era. <laughs> I don't know if that's prophetic or not. Well, I like, you know, the ponies experience growth as well. Let's rate this book. My Little Pony, Friendship is Magic, number 88. How are you rating? Like, like what scale are you going oh, to? The I'm, Connor appreciation scale? The, the What Ryan thinks? Or be as objective as possible? I'm being as objective as possible. It's the per system. So we got to... We pick a comic, read a comic, rate a comic. And I have to go two and a half. Like, right down the middle. Okay. Because it was competently made not for me... And I did not enjoy reading it. Fair. Two and a half stars out of five. I feel like <laughs> the patrons did this on purpose. You're sweating. No, there was absolute vindictiveness involved. Be honest. If you hate it, I want to punish them for that. <laughs> <laughs> They've already won. You can't punish them. They don't want you to like it. So giving it a bad review is not. It's not a. It's not a punishment. They're they're not waiting for validation. Yeah, I still, I just, nothing, nothing about this worked for me. One star. Fair enough. I would have given this a 3.25, given its intention. We're going to knock that down to 3 point, or 2.75 because of the egregiously placed left-hand panel stacking. I'm sorry. (laughs) If you're doing this, you get, especially for kids. Yeah. You get trying to teach them how to read comics. Action goes from left to right. Action does not go from left to down, back to right. It doesn't. It doesn't go back up. Other than that, I thought... Well, that is left to right. It's just down left and then to right. It, yeah, but then you go, wait, wait, wait. Oh, but only you do that. I feel like if we if not we run true. out of... I don't do it. I have no Josh. problem with reading left-handed panel stackings. You always say that you're immune to it, and I do not believe you, and I think <laughs> you're just being uh, <laughs> obstinate against me. Possibly, because but you'll never know. The thing is, you'll never way. know. You'll never know. If, if, if I we know get a... you. I don't need you to tell me. <laughs> Josh, if we get a break from the weekly grind, 
I want you to get some manga and find some right-hand panel stacking to complain about. Not, yes, yes, I could do that. I still have <laughs> the last book of Pluto that I have owned for, must be a decade now, haven't read it. <sighs> God, I do want to read Also, people are, people are acting like, like uh, they've got like a ton of extra free time now. I don't know who those people are. I have, you don't even have kids. I mean, like, there's nothing. This is a full, this is two full-time jobs with an 18-hour shift. <laughs> this is all hands on deck. Ugh. All right, so that's the patron pick, patreon.com slash ifanboy. That's where you can vote out a book at the rundown, should there ever be more comics. In the meantime, if you're a patron at the $5 or higher level, we give you your own superpower live on the show. Last week we said we were moving to two per show, but we have Ryan on, so we're going to do three. We're each going to get one, and Josh is going to start us off. Mark Richardson has the power of perfect credit. <laughs> all it's not a power. <laughs> yeah, anyone, you can do that. Decisions lead to a betterment of credit rating. So no matter uh, what he does, his credit goes up. No, he's making the yeah, he's making the right choices. It's like does every he, once in a while you'll get to something you're like, should I do this? Will it be back? Because if you open a new account or you close one, that affects you in some way you don't fully understand. Perfect credit score. You know, so it, it's all he's always able to get the lowest possible rate on things. I have a he, question. Yes. So, what if he's in a situation? This is the trolley problem. I'm just going to spell it out. He's in a situation where the decision to make his credit perfect is going to kill like five people. You know, if, or if he makes the decision that makes his credit worse, it only kills one person. Is he forced to kill the five people? Yes. All right. <laughs> <laughs> Yes. All right. He doesn't flip the switch on the trolley and the five people die. They are victim to the 850. Wow. Okay. Ryan, Is that you the top? 850? I have no idea. Thank you. Josh, <laughs> Josh, Josh definitely doesn't like, know. You go, you go like, yeah, I'm a millennial with advanced degrees. Do you think I know good credits? <laughs> I, uh, yeah. My, my, it's my wife's taking care of the mortgage on this one, so I don't, I don't know. <laughs> Ryan, you have former mayor of Toronto. I do. Rob Ford. is Smoke the, crack. I, I've realized that I have a much easier time, like Ron Richards, if I come up with a name, then it's much easier for me to come up with the power to go with that name. So Rob Ford is the inductor. Okay. He can use magnetic fields to induce an electrical current in, in various objects, metallic objects. How does that work practically? You ever heard of an induction burner? Yes. Sure, yeah. He basically can, like, if you have a if you have compatible pot or pan, you can just put it on his hand, he can heat that right up for you. Interesting. So he just can he just conducts heat through induction. So he no no, no. he he creates an electrical current and the electrical current because the your cast iron pan is not a circuit there is nowhere for the electricity to to go to so it gets released as heat. So so you're saying that his like superhero like uh, anthem the thing he yells out is put the kettle on and he holds his <laughs> hand up. But I mean theoretically he could use it to like generate free electricity. If he wanted, because, you know, if he just did that same power on a, you know, like a circuit, he could generate a current that would have so somewhere to go. A, so he's a key charger as well. Yeah. Yeah. Actually, if, if it's compatible devices, he's yeah. the inductor. Any reason you would want to induce an electrical current, he's got gotcha. you. I mean, don't you know, that's helpful in the apocalypse. See, that's the thing about your power versus mine. Mine's <laughs> not helpful in the apocalypse and, and yours pretty, very helpful. Julie Petrarca. Petrarca. Julie has perfect dream recall and manipulation. What I mean is, <laughs> I know many, what you mean. Many of us helps. come out of dream state and and vaguely remember what they dreamed about. She has perfect dream recall. Some people have that, but she has it perfectly. And by manipulation, I mean is she can re-enter a dream. So sometimes you you know you're wow. in a dream, you're really enjoying it, you wake up and you can't get back in it. It's gone. 
Well, she can go right back to whatever it was. One time, I realized that I was in a dream, and someone else in the dream convinced me I wasn't, which is my own subconscious tricking me, and it pissed Mm -hmm. me off. So... I remember reading once a long time ago, and it's always stuck with me, is that like if you write down your dream the moment that you wake up and you get it down, then that's the only way that you remember it. I guess there are mutants. There's people who – but like you will always – it's like a rule. You will always sort of forget what that is. You will remember it, and also you will bore your friends. That is – like you you guys know I hate dream sequences, (laughs) and the most painful thing is listening to somebody tell me about their dream. It's the worst thing on earth. The only thing worse than that is the feeling of microfiber against my dry hands. That too. There's a lot of bad things. So listen (laughs) – I'm not a big dreamer. There's like, a lot of bad things. The end. See you next week. I'm not a big dreamer. Josh has no dreams anymore. No, no, wait. <laughs> I, no, I don't. I'm not like, I don't have a thing for that. You know, like it doesn't happen. But since all this started, like it's just anxiety dream after anxiety dream that are perfectly and 100%. You can exactly say what they mean. It's a good thing Gal Gadot didn't call you to be a part of her Imagine. I'm not the only one. <laughs> so, no, I agree with you. I'm having nothing but anxiety dreams. I'm having dreams and, of and people being too close like, to me, get away from me. Like we're not supposed to be doing this. Like, you know, like, we're not supposed to be this close. Mine, like, get away. Mine are all about not being able to take care of this, or all about not being able to take care of my family. Like, I'm, I'm late for everything. I can't, like, there was, I had one where, like, I, I was trying to get to a thing to help everybody, and I couldn't get my clothes on. And I'd put, like, clothes on, and, like, these are the wrong pants, and I'd have to change them. And then I couldn't find the things, and, and, and like, everybody needed me, and I couldn't make it because I couldn't figure out my outfit. <laughs> That's perfectly you. Right, exactly. Like, they're so clearly obvious what it means. Well, we're going to get into that more next week, but let's yeah. do one email. I thought since we were all on here and Ryan has his own podcast, this would be a good email to do. Kim S. from Denmark, one of the many, many things I admire about iFanboy is the audio quality. I hope, hopefully it's, everyone's on the internet right now, and so the audio quality of the last couple of shows has not been great because everyone's on the internet all, all the yes. time. So, sorry, Kim. So, Kim says, I do a podcast here in Denmark, but we have a studio set up where we meet and talk in person. Lucky. And now, like you, we are confined to our homes, and we would like to keep on podcasting. But the sound quality we got from our first online session, not great. Can you help out with some general advice, software, hardware, editing tricks? I'm sure I'm not the only listener who shares the hobby, and you guys are the experts. Besides, I just love hearing you talk about things you know about and are passionate about. I've never even skipped an underwear commercial. Oh, Kim, you're the best. You're you're listening to our show. Ryan's on this show. He also has Science Sort of. We all podcast remotely. Although, Ryan, you, have. you occasionally do in-person interviews, right? Yep. I have two, basically two different setups, an in-person setup and a remote setup. We used to do iFanboy kind of regularly in person back when all three of us, when Ron was the host, lived in New York. Well, Ron was in Connecticut. But. For the most part, we have done this remotely, and it was always more awkward to be in person, which is not the way it normally works. But like for right. whatever reason, we got yeah. used to doing it this way. I still vividly recall the first time we did it in person at Ron's parents' <laughs> house in Long Island. Yeah. We shot an episode of the video show at their pool and then did the show in his old bedroom and we could not oh. look each other in the eye. It was too oh, awkward. yeah, and it was like, stop looking at me. Stop looking it at me. It was too awkward. Yeah. We've gotten better about that the more we've done it about the first time. Anyway, let's give him some trips and trips and tips. All right, so. <laughs> Tricks and tips. We've talked about our setup and we will do so in a second. But Ryan, what's the setup that you generally use for, yeah, just what are your two setups then? My in-person field setup is I have a, a Zoom H4n field recorder and two Audio Technica 2006 USB mics that are both they're dual USB and XLR. So I use the XLR cables to plug them into the field recorder, mm. which um, is also 
camp then. Most of my friends who work in radio, I actually have a fair number of friends who work in radio and I do things a little bit differently from them just cause I'm self-taught. They don't like a two mic setup. Even in person, they prefer a one mic setup. Oh no, 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 no. And go back and forth between. No, no, the... no, no, no. I know. I agree with you. I think it makes way more sense to if, use. If it has two fields, it's okay. If you have yeah, to actually maybe. move a mic back and forth, but there's some like the Yeti, I think has a thing where you can put one behind it and one yeah. in front. Yeah, that's true. Mm-hmm. If you're interviewing someone, that's one thing. But if you're having a conversation, that seems like a. Oh, yeah, that's a good point. I think I think most of these yes. radio people they are doing more traditional interviews because they're not used to being as big a part of the story, and a lot of them will use shotgun mics, so they're like pointing it right at the person's mouth, sure. which is interesting. Well, that's um, so, a thing that happens in like electronic news gathering. There'll just be one mic, and the sound guy would like point it at whoever's going. You know, that's my field setup. It's pretty basic. I still just record everything to a, you know, little uh, SD card and, and then put it on my computer for editing. My at-home setup is I have a boom arm. It's a Rode one that uh, connects to my desk. I originally got it because I thought I would be able to connect it to the shelf above my desk. So it would be completely disconnected from the desk itself because that's better. But you can't install it in a way that it would be able to reach my mouth. So unfortunately, I had to install it on my desk. Uh, and it's the same mic I use out in the field, but it's a dual XLR USB mic. So it's instead just on USB mode right now. And in terms of you know getting good quality, like I'm in a little nook in my bedroom. I'm facing a wall. It's not, It's got a lot of stuff on it, so it's not echoey. Right. And I, I keep my mouth really close to the mic. Eat the mic. It and, depends um, on the mic. Depends. It really depends yeah, on the mic. From, yeah, yeah. I have to be. I have to be a good six inches away from the mic. I mean, I have a Yeti, so I'm very familiar with that as well. And I am further away from my Yeti. Um, I have a pop filter. I don't use it very often. Uh, literally popped when you said pop filter. <laughs> that's why you need it. Maybe I should pull it back out. I got rid of the pop filter. It was annoying me. Uh, so I I changed to the uh, covered windscreen. Yeah. Oh uh, yeah. And that works much better. Because uh, the pop screen, it was always falling off. It did the Yeti mics are great, but the pop screen was not, it wasn't part of the mic, so it was always falling off, and it was just not good. So I'm much happier this way. I just have a foam cover on it. That's what I mean. The yeah, foam I, should probably, I should probably just cover. use a foam cover. And then I have a so, nice pair of um, Sony, you know, standard Sony studio headphones that every audio person I know has. So yeah, I have the Shure SH44, I think. Like they just again, it's like the hundred dollar standard. I've had them for years and years and years and years. Okay, it's really easy to get into the weeds on the specifics of audio recording and mics and preamps and all that stuff. And I don't think that's necessarily what you need because you're talking about remote stuff. Right. It's important to note we have pretty much uh, been doing our show. Oh, wait, hold exact- on. I'm sorry. Before you get into it, Ryan, yes. how are you recording it and, and connecting on v- Good question. virtually? So, yeah, the mic is just a USB microphone. So no, 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 no. What software are you using to record the conversation? Or what when we do, software? yeah, when we do sign sort of, I use Audio Hijack, uh, which is a Mac program, same one you guys, I mean, Ron taught me how to use it. So for a while, we are using a website called Zencaster, which was a website that I thought had a really great product in beta. And unfortunately, when it came out of beta, I thought it wasn't quite as good, but it works by letting everyone record their own track on their own computer uh, and then syncs them all up and then sends them to the Dropbox of the person who has the account. Um, so that's... One way uh, you can improve quality if you don't want to record, you know, what's coming through the other person's internet uh, and try to get a local recording. So those are the two things we use software-wise to actually get the recording, and then I edit using Adobe Audition. Hmm. Wasn't the problem with Zencaster that the timing was off? Yeah, it relies on the computer's internal clock to sync the tracks, and so if for whatever reason, like one of our regular co-hosts, for whatever reason, his computer clock was never right, and so his track was always drifting in and out of sync with everybody else's, and it made it a nightmare to edit. Yeah, but that's not necessarily like that because I think you told me that, and I haven't gone anywhere near it. Because one time it happened it. when when Ryan and I recorded, and my recording got lost. I had to use his backup, which was Zencaster, mm-hmm. and I nearly quit the show. 
have trying to edit that because it was <laughs> it was not in sync and I had to constantly cut it, resync it. Yeah, it was, yeah. It was, and that never happened when it was in beta, which was really interesting. And then Audition, I started using Audition instead of Audacity because I have to pay for the Adobe suite for work anyways because I need Illustrator for making scientific figures and stuff. So I was like, well, I have the software that is theoretically better than Audacity. Why am I not using it? And I used a website called lynda.com, which is a LinkedIn uh-huh. company, which I'm able to get free access to through both my university and just my public library. And they have you know tech training tutorials that I actually find work for me better than just like hunting around on YouTube or um, forums. And so it took me, you know, about eight hours of solid work to learn how to use Audition, but now I use it and I think it's really powerful and it's really good. Okay. We have almost pretty much exactly been doing the same thing that we've been doing <laughs> since we started. The yeah, fanboy story. Our technical methods actually go way back. However, so we call each other over Skype. We each have pretty good mics one way or another. In terms of yeah. Skype, you are dependent on the quality of the internet. Yeah. In the early days, it was a big problem. In the early days, we used to, to lose connection a lot. We used to fuzz out a lot. We used to do what we call roboting, where you get garbled noise. But it hasn't been so bad the last couple of years. It's been pretty good. And by a couple, I probably mean 10. Yeah, I was going to say. But right now, as everyone being home on their home connections, as opposed to dedicated work lines, I have noticed in the last two weeks, I've recorded like four shows. We did the animation show, and we did Josh and I's Book Explode that the quality is not as good as it was when everybody wasn't at home using their home lines. So that's just something. You have no control over the quality of your internet connection in that situation. Yeah, I was going to get to that. This, that's interesting because there, it depends on a couple of things. It depends on how you record Skype and how that app does it. With ours, we use Audio Hijack too. It records, I believe it records the local, the thing I'm saying to you right now on yes. my computer is being recorded as a straight signal. To and the track, thing that yeah. they are, are are being, the things that they are saying to me is on a, another track. Basically it's stereo. And then we change that to mono later so that you're not on the left and right. And I put out Would a you, show one time where I forgot to do that. And people were like, what the hell is this? And I was like, I know, I'm sorry. You do have to set it up to record that way. It won't do that default. So you have right. to make sure you do the settings correctly. Audio hijack used to be much less robust in terms of how you could configure it. And now you can really futz with it. So we have it set up specifically to split the track because otherwise we're all on one track and it can be a mess to edit. So it's, it's at least at this point, like when I'm going to edit this show, I'm going to be on one track and Josh and Ryan are going to be on a separate track from themselves. And it's easier to cut out crosstalk or garbled stuff when it's split like that. Right. And I think like one of the things is that we, I think we do a lot more editing than we used to. Yeah, I certainly do. And I've learned a lot of techniques within. We bring that into Audacity. This is another step is that we we level eight it and level eight. Oh, you guys are still using level eight? Well, there's a, there's a thing. Level eight is this wonderful freeware program that was developed a long time ago where you put your audio track in or your audio file in it and it normalizes the, the volume, meaning that the parts that are quiet get brought up. The parts, you know, the, the two tracks are on the same level so that my voice sounds at the same level of, as Connor's voice. And yeah, because that's, that's a quirk with, I guess Audacity, where the home track is lower than the guest track. So yeah, yes. a levelator brings everyone to the same, so th- as much as you can to the same level. Yeah, and it's it's not perfect, perfect but it's no. pretty good. Now, when they updated all of the Macs to 64-bit, yeah, yeah, I lost it too. So I've been trying a couple of different things. The best I've found right now is a website called Auphonic. They give you two hours free a month, and you got to pay more to get more than that. I pay $11 a month for nine hours. There's a normalization thing on there 
Uh, and then there's a couple of other effects you can put on it. I just never updated my Mac. Yeah, no. For this specific reason, so I wouldn't I lose level later. There's a plugin you can get for Audacity, Josh, that might be able to do a lot of that for you. Yes, and I... Chris's I looked, dynamic compressor. Yep, really I looked cool. into it. I couldn't figure out how to make it work. And so this brings me to my next point. So that's pretty much all of the sound processing that we ever do. And that that's really key because I think that being consistent is really important. And I could probably go in and I could add compression and I could add, you know, all of this different stuff that would improve it. But after everything gets compressed down, uh, like the file size and everything, a lot of that stuff gets lost and it doesn't really need to sound perfect. It just needs to sound good and it needs to sound consistent. And that really is the main thing when what you're talking about is making sure that, you know, you have a sound that is high enough quality. You know, there's not a bunch of shit going on in the background. Yes, I recognize the uh, irony of that statement. You know, recognize you're not in a room that has bouncy echo on one side. And there's lots of ways to deal with that. You know, recording in your car is like the best portable studio you could it's ever It's surprisingly have. good, yeah. Or a closet. Yep. Like with a lot, like a lot of voiceover people who work from home, like our buddy Mike Romo records in the closet because you've got all the clothing. It's almost be being in a sound booth. You're in a small yeah. space that's covered by fabric. With clothing yep, and stuff. So all yeah. Because my show oftentimes has guests on it who are not used to recording. We actually wrote up a little one-page guide that we send out to them that has a lot of basic tips and tricks because so much of getting good tape is discipline. It's just being a disciplined recorder of using good technique. You can get a pretty good recording on pretty crummy equipment yeah. um, and you can get a terrible recording on great equipment. Yeah, so true. big part of it is learning the tools that you have and using them properly, finding a quiet room. Uh, we've had guests give great interviews just using the lapel mic on their iPhone headphones. Yep. But you have to be smart about it. Don't ha- If you have long hair, put it in a ponytail. Don't have it rubbing up against the mic. Don't wear a scarf. Don't have a bu- dang- dangly earrings. Like mm-hmm. Things like that go, go such a long way towards making it so you don't have to clean up a bunch of crappy audio on the other side. And I often tell people I've actually done a number of podcast workshops for scientists and science writers. And one thing I tell them is you're going to spend time and effort, either getting a good recording or fixing it in the edit. And I don't think there's any way to shortcut either one of those. You just have to decide where do I want to spend most of my time? Do I want to spend my time and effort getting a good recording in the first place? Or am I willing to spend a lot of time in audacity or audition or reaper Hindenburg cleaning it up and fixing it? This is a super basic tip, but I don't know that everybody understands it, especially with every, this is this applies to everybody working remotely and, and teleconferencing or whatever it is they call it now. People on both sides need to have headphones. Yeah. The sound that they are hearing cannot be the sound that is going back into the mic that they are recording with. Apple compensates for that most of the time. So does Zoom. Yeah. However, don't, don't uh, risk like, it. Especially if you're, I mean, like, it's one thing to say you're having a meeting or whatever, like that kind of, you hit that echo in the beginning of it and then it usually clears up. Don't do that on a recording. If you were recording somebody and doing an interview, that other person needs to have headphones on. Their mic cannot pick up what you are hearing. Period. That's yeah. And if you, if you do have to use the mic that's internal to your, your MacBook or your computer or whatever, think about when you type. <laughs> think about when you click your mouse. You listen, about- Ron! You listening? <laughs> the Ron Richards Memorial... Mouse Click Award. I would love to have a studio to walk into that's set up. That was always the dream for us was we all lived together was there was a studio somewhere we could just go and record a show. That would have been great. But, you know, I've recorded all over the place in all kinds of rooms, all different in my, in my office at work, at home, in my bedroom, on the living room, everywhere. And it's because our, our setup is relatively simple and we replicate it every week. And I've used different – I've used headphone mics on the road. I've used the iPad when my headphone mic got busted when I was home for Christmas. Like it's – We've kind of jury-rigged it all the ways you can jury-rig it over the course of these 15 years. 
but we have a pretty simple setup that works for us. And it might take you a little while to get it. And this setup may not work for you also. Yeah. There are parts of this that we have had to back up and record again because the robot is out and you're not going to hear it. Yeah. It has happened recently. So just be aware of that stuff. I would say... Also, <laughs> I was, don't, don't... I'm what? sorry. I'm just remembering the time that we did three full shows in one night. Do you remember that time? Of course I remember that time. Early in the run where... What program kept crashing? Was it Audacity? I don't remember. I, Skype was very problematic back then. We literally, quite literally, did three full Pick of the Week podcasts, the same show, three times, because it crashed at the very end each time, and we lost the recording, each one of us. Oh, oh, here's the thing. Uh, we always uh, backup record. Everyone, yeah. everyone you're hearing right now is recording, so there should be three copies of this at the end. Yeah. That way, if something, if something goes wrong, or someone's recording is garbled, or if some weird thing happened, there's a backup. And the so, thing about Audio Hijack is if you don't like Skype, Audio Hijack, the whole idea of the program is it can take the recording of any computer program that you're running. So if you want to do Google Hangouts, it can record that. If you want to do a Zoom, it can record that. So you should awesome. be able to set it up to record any whatever software you want to yeah. use as your VoIP. It can and record that. Finally, I want to make we just told you all of this stuff and all this details, which, by the way, nothing to do with comics. Sorry, everyone. <laughs> don't make the perfect the enemy. Good. Yeah. Don't worry that it's pristine so much. Make sure that it's pretty good. Have fun. Don't drive yourself crazy. You know, somebody out there is going to tell you if, if enough people are listening, somebody out there is going to tell you that your audio is great. And at the same time, somebody's going to tell you that sounds terrible because you can't control how it comes out on the other side either. And that's the thing we learned early on. Some people like that sounds awful. And somebody that and we're like, you know, we listen to it. It sounds fine. So, yeah. And also, I think everyone understands right now that maybe your show isn't sound like it used to. For, for very mm -hmm. logical and important reasons. So it's fine. Don't worry too much about it. But these you should be able to record at home now with many of these ideas. Thanks for writing in, Kim, from Denmark. Contact at ifanboy.com. Many, many, many of you wrote in about the events of the last week in terms of how it deals with comics. And I think we're going to deal with all that next week on the show. So stay tuned. We wanted to do a, like a regular show this week as we still had comics to talk about, which leads us into our very brief, you know, so... We have the COVID-19 virus going around the world. We have life in lockdown. And it was announced this week that Diamond was no longer shipping, which was sort of irrelevant to most people because a lot of people, especially in the United States, their stores were closed anyway because they're non-essential businesses. So they couldn't even get the comics. Some stores were doing curbside pickup until that was shut down too. So Diamond is shut down for the foreseeable future. As we record this, we haven't heard from the big companies. Only Dark Horse has said they are not going to release comics digitally during this. Uh, Archie said they're going to do it for one week, and that's it. We haven't heard from Marvel or DC. We haven't heard from Image. So we don't know what the show is going to be or the comic industry is going to be. Hopefully we'll know a little bit more by next week, and we'll be able to talk about it on the show as we dedicate next week to whatever comics come out and or you know what has happened in the industry since then. So that's where we're going to do all that discussion. But I think that, that covers sort of the situation, right? Am I missing anything? No, I think that's bit. It's it's fluid, but also stay away from fluids. <laughs> a lot of people have asked us, "What are you guys going to do?" We're going to do a show because it's fun for us, and it's sort and of for you, therapeutic for us and you as well. So, we're, no matter what happens, we're going to do a show. It might get weird. It might take a little while to find its feet, but I guarantee the sillier it gets, the more fun we're going to have. And usually that translates. I'm a paleontologist. I've literally found feet before. So we, uh, I got this. <laughs> we. <laughs> We'll we'll do something and it'll it'll be comics related. We'll either do, discuss things. We'll go look at old stuff. We got tons of emails we don't get to. Maybe we'll do a lot of emails. We'll do as much as we can. There will be a show. Whether or not it'll be about comics, whether or not there'll be a pick of the week, 
it's really going to depend on what happens in the next week in terms of what comes out. We can all watch Birds of Prey from the comfort of our own home. <laughs> so there'll be an iFanboy podcast. What it'll be about, we don't know. We'll see. It'll be fun to sort of figure it out. But we'll be back next week. And again, if you're one of the people that emailed us this week about the changes, asking about the show, asking about digital comics, asking about the future of the industry, we're going to deal with all of that next week. So stay tuned. Hold on to your butts. Hold on to your butts indeed. Half-lit cigarette bouncing around in your lips. <laughs> Forgot the anyway, word. The last Talksplode that we recorded, not the last one, just the most recent, um, <laughs> was with uh, my pal Aubrey Citizen. We talked about his remaking of a comics career and, and the bold way forward. I always love talking to Aubrey. He's, he's the uh, platonic opposite of me <laughs> in his attitude, but he's, he's a great dude. And then also we just did a Booksplode about Robin Year One from Chuck Dixon and uh, Javier, help me. Javier Polito. Polito! I was like, it's not Pena. Scott Beatty, we, we keep forgetting he was the co-writer. That's true. I apologize about that. And that came out right behind the show. It came out this week. So if you haven't yep. heard that yet. And that, that, was a, that was a really great book, and, and we like talking about it. It is the joy of Dick. So Ryan and I and Paul Montgomery recorded the Superman Red Sun review, the Animation Brain Trust, which will be coming out this coming week. So you'll get that coming at you. And then as we said earlier... I'm pretty sure we're going to do another media explode just because even though we know that the stretch goal is going to come back down below the limit, we're going to probably do another one just because people need shows. We need to talk to each other. It's a good melding of the two. So you'll probably look forward to at least one more in April. Mm-hmm. Pretty sure. Yeah. I do a podcast called Science Sort of. We talk about science. We are recorded far enough ahead that there's not a lot of COVID talk. The most recent episode actually – we had a buddy of mine who's a science writer, but he's also a big comic book guy. And so uh, we ended up talking for a while, and I split it into two episodes. And the second episode is literally us talking about the X-Men and Star Wars. So That's fun. If you're interested in some of the sort of content you're used to hearing from me from here, but maybe infused with a little bit more of a scientific perspective, go check that out. And uh, we got some good shows coming up. Speaking of getting our footing, Josh, our, our next episode that I'm editing right now is about the evolution of the human foot. Huh. Are you going to have time to podcast while you're working on the cure for the virus? <laughs> Fortunately, that is not my department. My department is literally watching Congress dither about whether or not we're going to pay for a cure for the virus. So that's my that's my role in the system well, right now. That's going to make a man drink. <laughs> and how? So yeah, so head over to fanboy.com to find all of these shows, except for Science Sort of. That's at sciencesortof.com. Uh, all of our old podcasts are there. Ryan's old articles are there. There's tons of content. If you're looking for something to fill the hours and kill the time, there's a lot of old content over at fanboy.com. Read about what we thought about things in 2010. Pretend like you're back there when things were nicer. Find out what the pick of the week is before the show comes out by liking facebook.com slash ifanboy, following at ifanboy on Twitter, and you can follow at ifanboycomics on Instagram for all of that, plus the best of the week in panels feature. And individually, we are C.S. Kilpatrick on Instagram, J.A. Flanagan on Twitter and Instagram, and... I did this from memory, Ryan. Was that correct? Haupt on Twitter yep. and Ryan Haupt on Instagram? Nailed it. All right. I will continue to get that wrong every time. Is your water hard again? Soften that water. I'm in the basement. Uh, no, I believe someone's just running water. So that's a thing. So that's not an ideal studio either. That's nothing for Kim. Don't set up next to the pipes. Well, I mean, that was the choice between this and, frankly, quite whiny children. And then, and then like, it would be untoward to hear my wife get frustrated with them in the background. You know, Connor, I'm taking over the script. If you dig the show, write us a review or leave a star rating on iTunes. <laughs> or better yet, tell your friends about us. Help spread iFanboy love. Don't spread that's, anything else. That's all we want you to spread. Yeah, exactly. Unless you have a gigantic stock of peanut butter at home. Wash your hands. 20 seconds. And also stay the fucking doors. 
Don't go see your friends. Don't let anyone come over. Yeah. Knock it off. Don't go to the beach. Don't go hiking. We know you've got comics you haven't read. Read them. You, you can go hiking where I live. Ain't nobody around. Thank you, Ryan, for being on the show, as always. And we'll probably have you back. Whenever possible. However long this weird thing lasts. But thanks for coming on. We know you're busy saving the world. Stay home. Or at least watching Congress not save the world. In the meantime, until next week, I'm Connor. I'm Josh. Ryan, you go last. Uh, that's not how it's done. I'm Ryan. Yeah, I, don't I don't want to go last. Okay, I'm still Josh. There we go. Wash your hands. It's, 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 it's,